Hello and welcome to Atlantic Conversations. I'm Fanula Sweeney. The Atlantic Fellowship Programme works with a diverse community of leaders around the world with a common commitment to fairer, healthier, more inclusive societies. Through its seven programmes focused on equity and healthcare, socio-economic equity and racial equity, the Atlantic Fellowships offer those leaders an opportunity to gain new perspectives and new colleagues, while strengthening their confidence in their work for change. In each podcast, I'll be speaking to an Atlantic Fellow about their work and ambitions for a more just world. In this podcast, I'm joined by Deborah Liao. Deborah is a physician and works as a municipal health officer in Gamay, northern Samar, in the Philippines. She's a graduate of the Atlantic Fellows for Health Equity US and Global program at George Washington University. I'd heard Deborah talk about medicine being a journey of faith. I asked her to tell me why. Because I feel like I never really imagined myself becoming a doctor. And it's like everything just moved and everything just paved the way for me to get that education. Even when I was a student, every day it's like, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Am I going to finish this? But somehow everything just worked out as it should. I'm not sure how it happened, but I think there's divine providence along the way. So you've also said that getting into medical school is easier than finishing it. Yes. Why is that? Because there are a lot of challenges. Sometimes medical studies itself gives you so much pressure, aside from the fact that financial constraints is a challenge for me. The pressures in school is also very difficult to bear sometimes, especially if you're not really emotionally prepared getting into medical school. So I think it's very difficult to finish it. But finish it you did, and you became a doctor. And then you decided to become a municipal health officer, and you were transferred to a place, a rural area that you'd barely heard of. Yes. So what was it that took you there? Divine providence, or (laughs) was it something else? What happened was... I entered a program, the Doctors to the Barrio program of the Department of Health. They created a program so that doctorless municipalities would have the chance to have physicians. So you're saying there are rural areas that didn't have access, people there didn't have access to doctors. Yes, a lot of municipalities in the Philippines actually don't have doctors. So one of the municipalities listed there was Gama in Northern Samar. And I chose that because I think it's nearer my hometown. So I think it would be easier for me to travel back home, but I didn't realize it's so far away. What kind of place is it? It's in the Visayas region, so it's like a big island in the Visayas. It's a coastal area. You see a lot of oceans, beaches, and the like. And people there, are they wealthy? Are they underprivileged? Um, The municipality is an under-resourced area. And the people there live through coconut farming and fishing because we have rich areas for planting coconuts. But most of them, we have a very high poverty incidence, so most of them are really poor. What was it like when you first went there? It was very challenging because I have very limited resources to be used at a health center. But it's a blessing because I'm working with really dedicated staff And even though we lack in some areas, I know that we're able to manage to still deliver the health services that we're supposed to give the people. You are. And how are you managing to do that? And what kind of problems are you seeing among the patients? The greatest challenge is that the finances of the patients, 
especially if they have to do out-of-pocket for all the medical expenses. What we have been doing so far is that we've worked closely with the local government. The local chief executive is very supportive of our programs. So we were able to at least fund some of our programs and we were able to implement programs that could help the community. And what kind of specific illnesses were you seeing or complaints among people in the community? We have non-communicable diseases, the usual like hypertension and diabetes, also infectious diseases such as pneumonia and diarrhea among children. Those are the common illnesses that I see every day in the clinic. And it's far away from your home. Mm -hmm. You thought you were only going to stay there a couple of years, but you clearly have decided to stay longer. Why? I fell in love with the idea of public health because I feel like public health is a very wide specialization or area of medicine that most physicians doesn't take. I see so many people every day. We are like the frontliners. We provide the primary care to the community. And I feel challenged by the dynamics of the health system that we need to improve on. So that's something that really kept me going. And you say you see a lot of people every day. How many on average? I see at least 30 to 40 patients every day. And you're saying you manage to deliver the healthcare they need to them within a system that isn't really resourced properly. Yes. As best as we could, we managed to provide the basic services to them. And what kind of people are the people in this area? And are there any misperceptions about them? They live in poverty for a long time. Most of them are just farmers and fishermen. Some people might think that they do not try enough to improve on their livelihood, but they really try. They're very hardworking. I know a lot of people who are very hardworking and they are very warm. What I appreciate about them is that even though they cannot give me any monetary compensation or payment for my services, which I don't really expect from them, they do give me kind gestures like bananas or whatever products they have. They just bring it to the clinic and then just show me how they appreciate my presence there. That's really something that touches me. It clearly means a lot to you. When you wake up in the morning, do you feel excited about going to work? Yes, there are times I feel exhausted because I'm the only doctor in the area. So when you manage to see or you do things for 23,000 people, that's a lot already. So it sometimes burdens me. But at the end of the day, I know I still keep going and I'm still going to do whatever I'm doing right now. So when you say it burdens you, I'm interested to know, does it push you out of your comfort zone? At times, yes. It's a physical thing also because when I do visits in the village, I'd have to walk for like an hour and a half to two hours just to reach them. And it's not just the usual walking. You have to like climb. It's like trekking a mountain. It's a mountainous terrain, so I have to do that. Physically, um, it's tiring for me sometimes. Also emotionally, because you feel like you wanted to do more, but you feel very constrained in some areas. You want to shout out, but you can't do that. So it's something that trains you sometimes. But at the end of the day, the more positive things can overshadow all those negative 
And so working in a situation like this where people would go maybe in some parts of the Western world hiking, but for you it's trekking and it's not a leisure activity, and working with the lack of resources that you work with, do you look ahead to the prospect of those being changed? Do you see that somehow there might be a better future in terms of resources or even access to people who need care? I really hope so. Sometimes what we're lobbying for is not about health per se, but we're actually lobbying for road constructions or provision of water sources. It's not really directly about health, but it affects health, especially if there are no roads, there are no bridges. So that's what we're lobbying for. And somehow in the past nine years, things have already improved. There are some roads already that would make it a little bit easier than before, but there's still a lot of things to do. Do you feel that you have found your purpose in life? At the moment, yes, I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And becoming an Atlantic Fellow for Health Equity, why did you want to become one? And what has it meant to you? What has been the experience? Well, I think the fellowship helped me grow as a person and reinforced the sense of purpose that I have right now. It's just that it put everything into focus and it made my resolve stronger to continue doing what I'm doing right now. Because of the people you met or because of what you learned in the program? I think both because I feel like I was capacitated to reach out to other people to improve on what I'm doing right now. There are a lot of things I learned and it also helped me to be more aware about my skills. So somehow it built more confidence in me. And also because I know that with all the things that we talked about all throughout the year, it made me realize that health is really a human right. Before, it's just a concept that we learn at school. But right now, it made me realize that it is really a human right. And we need to honor that and give that to everyone. You sound like you have found a vocation. Yes, I think so. <laughs> and what is next for you now that you have graduated from the fellowship, both professionally and with your fellow fellows? Well, I'm hoping that we would continue to connect and continue to have meaningful discussions about our work individually because all my co-fellows are very inspiring. They've worked so hard in their own areas and then somehow it inspires me to continue what I'm doing because I know in other parts of the world, people are also doing what they're doing for health equity. So I'm hoping that we would continue to connect and build more networks so that we can improve our individual tasks in our own areas. And in the area of GAMAI? Well, I'm hoping that we would be able to work on more improvements for the people of Gambia. My dream is that the people would really feel that their health status is improving. It's not just on paper that we're having indicators which are high, etc. But I want them to realize that, yes, I'm getting healthy. That's what I want them to achieve at the end of the day, that they would be able to say to themselves, I'm healthy, I'm being taken care of. All the very best of luck with that. Deborah Liao, thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. That was Deborah Liao, Atlantic Fellow for Health Equity. For more information, you can visit www.atlanticfellows.org. I'm Fanula Sweeney, and you've been listening to the Atlantic Conversations podcast.